Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our past may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, welcome back. I have been waiting a long time for this exciting interview and it's here. And I'm even more excited for you to be here to join in on the conversation with us. The journey with your body, with food, and through life and healing is here to teach some very deep soul lessons. And today we're diving deep. I invited my mentor and personal teacher, author of the best-selling book, Break the Norms, a nonprofit founder and spiritual advisor, Shandrush Bourgeois, to share his wisdom with us. Shandresh hails from a lineage of seven generations of Indian spiritual healers. He initially felt bound to the financial world and went to business school in New York City, and upon graduating, decided to pursue his passion for unleashing human potential with the help of meditation. Working with Shandresh and reading the book Break the Norms has been by far the greatest impact on my life than anything else. He came into my life when I felt very broken, lost, and unsure of what direction to take. Today, we're going to be exploring the path to understanding a fulfilled, authentic life and why to do so requires us to break the norms. Quickly grab a notepad because you are going to be blown away to meet one of the brightest minds in the spiritual and healing space. So let's dive right in. Welcome, Shindrush, to the show. Thank you Thank so you, Sarah. much for being here. <laughs> I am so excited. Thank this you. Like 10 years in the making. <laughs> <laughs> right. So for those of you who don't know, which I would be really surprised, I am grateful every single day for you. Chandrash has been my coach, my mentor. He's been one of my best friends. He has been one of those people that just inspires me daily to live and love and forgive and do as much as I can on this planet to create positive impact. And I think I can honestly say that you are probably, yeah, I can honestly say that you have witnessed the depth of my pain, my sorrow, my anxiety, my I fear, did, yeah. my joys, my happiness, my mm. growth, my effect, probably more than any other person on the planet, probably more than my parents, my best friends. You've witnessed this growth in me, which mm. I am so, so grateful for because you were the one person that has really loved me unconditionally through this entire process and made that very clear to me. And so I wanted to take the listeners back to the time where (laughs) I was extremely broken. And I, so to make a long story short, basically I met you about 10 years ago when I had left, I was leaving the modeling industry and I had been cleared by my doctors Mm -hmm. that I was okay. Like they were like, you're physically better. We're signing off that you're better, but I wasn't mentally better. So I was having anxiety Mm -hmm. attacks and panic attacks and I had no clue what I was going to do with my life and my career and all of these things. And I was so, so broken inside. And I remember seeing this sign for this health expo as I'm walking down the street of New York and thinking, well, I've tried everything else. So what's one more thing? And I walk in and I see your booth and it says, break the norms. And I'm like, that's easy. I love breaking the norms. I don't want to get married. I don't have to do anything. This is perfect. This is for me. And I went up to you and I said like, I'm ready. I'm ready to learn. And it was just like one of those moments of synchronicity where you know that your life is about to change. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but there were two questions you asked me and and there were two things that really stood out for me, which I share on, you know, all the podcasts I go on and all the podcasts I credit you on. But the two were, are you willing to hear the truth? And the other one wasn't a question, but it was set in a way that it was a question for me, which was that are you ready to unlearn the way that you were taught to suffer? Because mm-hmm. I was explaining to you all the ways that I had been suffering. And you said, well, are you ready to unlearn this way that you were taught and that you must do this? And I remember mm-hmm. saying, oh my gosh, like this sounds like a lot of work, but I was, I was so broken that I was in. And mm-hmm. since that day, you've been this mentor to me. And so I wanted to break down those two things, this idea of hearing the truth and 
and just basically starting to unlearn the way that we were taught to suffer. Because I think so often people find, and I know this was my truth, I just thought I was going to live with anxiety and panic attacks mm-hmm. the rest of my life. I thought that mm-hmm. this was my truth. So I wanted to have you share how that you work with people in this process to really help them hear the truth and then break down these things that we're taught through our lives that actually create more suffering and pain and dis- discomfort. You know, you took me on that emotional journey that I think started 10 years ago for us. And uh, for those who are listening, you know, I that was the only expo I did ever. <laughs> <laughs> and while I was at the expo, it was, as you remember, it was very crowded in mid of the New York City. It was very intense energy. And I remember when you walked into the room, I told Jessica, who was helping me that day, and I said, I need to speak to her, that girl who just walked in. And I didn't mention this about anyone else. So she she stood up. She's like, okay, I'll create space for you to speak to her and I'll handle anyone else who's coming this way. Mm-hmm. And you were walking and I was thinking in my head, should I stop her and ask her the questions I want to ask? And funny thing is the moment you reached to the table, you stopped yourself and we started having this conversation. It started in such an organic way. And uh, there have been many people since then who follow you and who follow me as well on on social media and uh, on virtual platforms. They all ask me, can I go through that transformation which Sarah has gone through? And I tell them Sarah went through what she went through with immense dedication and surrendering. It's not it's easy and yet it's not easy, right? It's not easy for most people to be effortless. It's not easy for most people to trust, to relax, to surrender. And I think that's where you scored brownie points with your journey because you surrendered into that process with so much trust. And there were moments I clearly remember when you clearly did not know what's going to happen, what's the next moment looking like, but you would you still jump into it because you were trusting your own awareness, you were trusting me in the process, and you were also becoming open and receptive to every intuition that's you know moving toward you. And mm-hmm. today, you inspire so many people. I think one of your biggest strengths that's building up every day, it's your intuition. I'm so impressed and so fascinated by how your intuition has evolved so multiple levels you know, in the last 10 years, because I feel that's what guided you in all these years. Uh, is that right, Sarah? Yeah, You're- yeah, definitely. And I think the concept that you never wanted to project anything upon me, you just wanted to give me the tools and the ability to be able to hear my own truth and my own intuition. And so, yeah, and that's what I think has been the defining factor in relationship to other coaches and other mentors and so forth. It's It's been this ability to say, you know, whatever the choice is, it's your choice, but you're taking full responsibility for it. And I'm giving you the tools to be able to access that part of yourself that knows in your heart what direction to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I I just finished a recording podcast episode from my own podcast. It's on mm-hmm. addiction. And I was talking about how when I first went to rehab, I had I had no qualification to be there. Like I'm from spiritual background. You know, I'm not a therapist, not a psychologist, not a doctor, not an expert on drugs and medicines. And I've been going there for six plus years because what I started doing was connecting to people through their awareness, getting to know their longings, getting to know what they're really looking for in life, getting to know their strength, their pain. And I feel that's what connected us as well. And that that's has been sort of my own mantra, my own method to connect with humans out there because it helped me connect within you know myself. It helped me understand my own darkness, my own journey. And that's you know one very simple truth that all of us are longing for some higher truth. We all are longing to have some powerful experience, and we look for that experience in random things, you know, from relationships to drugs to sex to alcohol to career. Uh, to you know food i mean we all try to experience that other dimension in these external factors but mm-hmm. the moment we start to connect or have a taste of that other higher dimension within us through within us i think that's a game changer mm-hmm. so when i started experiencing my truth my joy and my strength within myself 
that started giving me the confidence and direction of how I should be able to lead others, how I should be able to help others. Because growing up in India, I thought maybe uh, spirituality or Tantra or my work is only limited to people who understand Tantra from the Indian spiritual perspective. Then I moved to US and I realized, oh, it's not really anything different here. I saw suppression in India and suppression is also in New York City. It's just a different kind of suppression. Then I started traveling in Europe and I realized, oh, wow, suppression exists here also. So at this point, after traveling to so many places, meeting so many people, I realized one very simple truth that we all are holding back our truth. We all are holding back our suppression. We all are you know, constantly suffering through the mind. And the moment we start to connect with the courage within, with the gratitude within, things start to change. And I think I, I lead people through that one basic step, getting to know their story, their longings. And it's very important for me to understand the darkness that they go through, the suppression that they go through. I get to know a lot about their journey through those you know, episodes of darkness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, it took me years to discover that this concept of breaking the norms, although you were teaching me, it wasn't about running from like getting married or having kids or buying a house or even having material mm -hmm. possessions. Cause I grew up with parents who were more on the spiritual side of things and were, you know, give up your material possessions. And that, you know, I was reading just Siddhartha as a little kid and like all these books. And so I had this belief mm -hmm. that breaking the norms meant running from all of these things, but really running meant avoiding and it meant avoiding my darkest parts of myself. And so the things I was running from was actually my own truth. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious for those who are listening that want to break right these rules, these conditioned beliefs, the the feelings of not deserving the best, the feelings of that they aren't worthy of love, the feeling that they don't deserve a partner, community, friendship these belief systems that have been projected upon them for years and years and years, what would you say is the first actual step to start that process of really breaking down these cultural mm -hmm. conditioning that we, yeah, we, we grew up with? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think uh, the first step would be asking yourself, how do you relate with yourself? You know, so I, I would divide this further into two questions. So first question would be, who am I? Like, how do you see yourself? Because I may have a certain conditioning, a certain cultural experience to relate to. I may have the family name, the society I'm, you know, I was being raised in. And that starts to define our identity. But beyond the body, beyond the cultural conditioning, beyond the narratives of our society, there exists your deeper reality. There exists something that always existed before you were born and which will continue to exist even after you die. And that's your consciousness. That's your awareness. So you've got to experience it. Easier said than done. You know, who you could read books about who am I, mm -hmm. but the true experience of who you are really starts to happen in deeper meditations. So that's one meditation I highly recommend asking yourself constantly, consistently, who am I? Especially when you're going through a conflict, when your ego is you know, calling the shots, when your fear is leading the whole show, you got to take a pause and ask yourself, who am I really? You know, because most of our suffering comes from this, you know, lack of understanding of our reality. It comes from this illusion about this, you know, identity that we continue to build around us. Because when we start to understand that I am much more than my body, I am much more than the family name I have, I am much more than the roles I'm playing in these relationships around me then you start to have a sense of who you are. And the second question, how do you relate to yourself? I feel this should be almost like a must question that everybody should ask before they move into any relationship. Because if you don't relate to yourself with love, respect, with compassion, you will not be able to attract someone who's giving you that same values. You know, if I'm not able to relate to myself with a certain sacredness, a certain value, a certain sense of compassion, then I'm going to attract someone who's going to treat me the same way I treat my own self. And that's what's happening, really. Like when you start seeing yourself in a different perception, when you start understanding your journey through a different perspective, it starts changing the kind of people you're attracting in your life as well, because you don't get what you want, you get what you are. 
Mm-hmm. When you are relating to yourself in a certain way, that's the kind of crowd you're going to attract. So I always had this, not even always, but I started developing this interesting fascination for my own darkness that, you know, I wanted to know why I get attracted toward a certain, you know, interesting subjects, the taboos in society, or even the spirit world, the ghost world, and my spirituality was really revolving around these things. And I, it's not a surprise that majority of people who come to me are those who have been suppressed in life or who have been, you know, through darkness. And it makes perfect sense to me that this is what I am also cultivating within. And thankfully, I'm able to cultivate the healing within about darkness. And that's the kind of people who are also showing up in my life. Mm-hmm. It could be people in corporates or Hollywood or just, you know, people who are in nine to five jobs, but they all are going through this interesting suppression. And I'm attracting those kind of people because this is something I, I think I've lived that experience in a very uh, major way in my own life. Wow. It's so incredible. And when I start to shift the conversation with my clients around the illusion of body and that how even myself for a very long time, I only connected to Sarah, the body, you know, Mm -hmm. Sarah at a certain weight, Sarah has a certain hair length, Sarah has a certain age, you know, it was all of these physical experiences that I was having where I looked in the mirror and that was my identity. Mm-hmm. And I never realized until I started doing this work that underneath all of those attempts to be beautiful, there was actually a Sarah who was the very definition of beauty, right? That was underneath Absolutely. that and was full of confidence and radiant joy. And that she was complete and whole without the body. That the, 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 the experience of the body was just this illusion. And so it's a very large concept and a complex concept, right? And mm-hmm. when I even share that the illusion of the body is something that we can grasp from mm-hmm. a logical side from within you know within our own awareness today mm-hmm. i get a lot of pushback and because we're so attached to this identity i think more than ever right now especially mm-hmm. with social media we're more attached than ever so mm-hmm. to start embodying this belief right that we actually mm-hmm. are more than than this physical body this body is a gift that we're given to experience mm-hmm. life on this planet what are some words of advice or wisdom to support people in that in that process, because this was the one thing that shifted everything for me when I started mm-hmm. to realize that this physical body is this gift. It's an illusion. <laughs> I'm not going to have it forever. <laughs> right, right. And I've seen that shift in you. I think one of the reasons, one of the, there could be a million reasons, but to pick one of those million reasons why I have so much love and respect for you is because you went through this experience on your own before you started sharing it with, with others out there. You lived every pain of it. You lived every low and high of it. And when you were fully confident about this is how you are shifting and evolving yourself, then you started inspiring others with the same. And um, I saw that shift when you started understanding your relationship with your body. And now you're inspiring others to do the same. And uh, this is what I also try in my own way to do. You know, bring this idea to people that you are more than the body. You are even more than the thoughts, the mm-hmm. narratives that your mind is running constantly. Mm-hmm. And one of the advice that I give to myself and others is this basic idea that it's okay to live a life that others don't understand. You don't have to fit in the idea of success, the idea of happiness that's coming from others. Maybe your parents are thinking uh, the best for you and they're They want you to live in a way that fits their idea of success. But maybe that's not your story of success. Maybe that that will create suffering for you. I know parents who are doctors and they want their kid to be a doctor. And they are thinking in their best awareness. And most people do that. It's my very close observation in many years that most people who are, you know, even imposing their religion on you, imposing their dead ideas and norms on you, it's they're thinking from their best level of awareness. It's unfortunate their awareness is vibrating on such a lower level. But in their head, they're doing the right thing. And they feel this is how you will avoid the pains and the suffering that they have gone through. So they keep imposing that on you. But the truth is, the blooming won't happen until you start disappointing those people. And it's up to you. You could uh, let them know that I know you are thinking best for me. You have all the compassion for me right now and you have all the best wishes for me. 
but this is not my truth. This is not my journey. I don't see myself blooming in this way. So mm-hmm. there's no guarantee if I will succeed or if your idea will succeed, but I got to try at least my idea. I want to own my own failure at least. So you got to just accept that it's okay to disappoint your heroes. It's okay to disappoint all the people around you. It's okay to live a life that others don't understand. And I'll tell you one interesting thing. Uh, so growing up in India, I looked upon this person who basically studied on the streets. And uh, he came to see my father when he was he was in politics. Uh, he became one of the most educated person in the state, got into politics, became successful, and then completely lost everything. And I remember I was in fifth grade. And he came to see my father as a client. And my father told him, you'll become state senator uh, three times in a row because you have the potential. I can see your aura. So he made a spiritual prediction. And this man said, no, I, I know I won't. And he said, no, no, you will. So I was in fifth grade and I always was attracted towards spirituality. So I used to take very close notes of my father's readings and predictions. And because it just fascinated me how he's able to you know, read people and read their energy. So from fifth grade to 10th grade, this man actually becomes, you know, state senator and he completes the three term, you know, he became senator for three times in a row. And he was always my hero because he was a great orator, great writer, great leader. And I remember when I was in 12th grade, he asked me, we were on the, we met on the road and he asked me, he said, so uh, what do you want to uh, become? I said, uh, you know, I think I'll, I'll get into business line or something else. He said, you don't want to become doctor or engineer? I said, no, no I, that's not me. And he said, you know, inside my office, the dean of one of the best schools of India, he's sitting inside. It's the best engineering school. I can connect you with him right now and you'll get admission right after you pass out the 12th grade. Are you kidding me? You should be doing this. I said, no, you know, I don't see myself, you know, being an engineer or a doctor. And his kids were studying to be doctor. Mm-hmm. But the moment I told him, I don't want to be a doctor or engineer. He got so angry. Mm. He got triggered. He started yelling me on the, on the road, on the street itself. And uh, he was surrounded by a lot of people. His security was, he was a very important and powerful man. And he was my hero. And he kept on yelling at me that, how dare you make this decision on your own? You got to consult me. You got to you know, listen to me and you cannot just go into business or art field. That's, you know, not for you. I didn't say anything. I was too young to even respond to him. And I was overwhelmed with just the crowd of people around him. So I I came back home feeling so depressed, feeling so, I was not angry at him. I was scared that I Mm -hmm. think I'm going to fail miserably. My own hero told me that you're on the worst path. And uh, I remember he sent his daughter next day to meet me and she was to just kind of convinced me that I should be a doctor. And I said, you know, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to, you know, get into something creative. I didn't know what I wanted to do, honestly. So I was just giving them random names like Warren Buffett and all those people I knew at that age. And she said, so um, you want to be next Bill Gates? I said, no, I want to be just Chandresh Bhardwaj. Is that too much to ask? And she got pissed off and she left the house. So I was pissing off all the people around me. My parents were cool with it, but there was a lot of people around me. And then after a while, I got to know, he met me again. And he said, you know, I went through a lot of abuse in my life. My father was, you know, physically very abusive person. He was an alcoholic. He used to beat me every other day. And that's why I end up studying on streets. I don't want you to become that person. I don't want you to go through any abuse or any pain in life. I know your potential. That's why I feel you'll be such a great doctor, I said. And that moment, you know, made me see this powerful political uh, you know leader in a very vulnerable position and i realized you know, he he's acting from such best intentions from me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he has the best intention best awareness for me right now he wants me to be successful but his idea of success is not my idea of success and maybe i will fail miserably in what i want to do but if i follow his advice i'll fail from day one so at least i should fail with the entire process. You know, I I want to go through the whole experience of failing. At least that should be my own experience. And, uh, you know, now I meet him very often. Every time I'm in India, I meet him. He follows my work and uh, he's very happy, very proud of me. And he he has actually forgotten the whole episode. 
but I'm Leo. Leo people don't forget, you know, these moments. So I think I'm going to remember this all my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that taught me one very important truth that it's okay to disappoint your heroes. It's okay to piss off even the people who have all the love and compassion for you because of course they want the best for you, but you have to make them realize that only you know your hustle, only you know your pains, your strength and your weakness. And that's why I recommend meditation because if I was not meditating, I wouldn't even have the courage to experiment with my own ideas. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. ever have the courage to live my own truth. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I'm very much in agreement. Like I, whenever I question my own truth, because I'm recognizing that someone else has projected something on me, or I see something in the media, or I see something on Instagram, or I see something on Facebook, I Mm -hmm. always go to meditation. It's the one place that has literally saved me and set me free because it's where I can hear my truth and know my truth more than any other place. Hey there, are you loving this podcast? Well, a simple way to support is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and join the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you are never gonna miss out on any details of new projects, products, upcoming events, or behind the scenes stuff that I only share with my inner circle. Also by joining, you're gonna get access to the movement, which means you are part of a free community of individuals standing in their power to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So head on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe and I'll see you on the inside. So do you feel meditation was able to bring you uh, all the courage and strength that you needed in this whole journey? Yes. And I also believe, I mean, we've done a lot of mantra meditation and a lot Mm -hmm. of other mindfulness techniques, of course, but I do feel that that meditation was the number one thing. I think the quote that you that you wrote, which I think is so is so so great, it's um, I tried to follow the norms once, but it ended up being the worst moment of my life. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I love that quote, and I always think about that quote because anytime, you know, I'm like, I even have these stories of like, even when I was getting married, I was like, oh, I should go back on a diet, or what are these other brides doing, or maybe I should do that. Like, you know, I got completely out of my own truth and into my ego, right, and into the other stories and people projecting things onto me. And, you know, every time that happens, I just come back and I say, okay, can I sit with myself and can I connect to the part of myself that actually knows what my heart wants and desires? And, and I believe as you, that our real life, the life that Mm -hmm. we're supposed to live on this planet exists outside the path that, you know, has been paid for us, right? It's, Mm -hmm. It's beyond the path of for me specifically, the diets and the fashion industry and all of these things that for so long became my truth. And they were imprinted in my subconscious as my mm-hmm. truth and as the stories. And, and for, you know, many, many years it took to rewire <laughs> those, those mm. stories. It took a very, very long time. And I think that, like you said earlier on this cast, so many people will reach out to you or me and say, Hey, I, I want to know what you did. Mm-hmm. And and I always say, do you really want to know? Like, do you really want to know? Do you really want to do the work? Because exactly. yeah. for you specifically, I remember I begged you. I was like, I want a mantra. Like, I want a mantra now. <laughs> and I saw your husband, like, you're not ready. And then like my second mantra, I remember it took several years to get my second mantra. And then it took several years to go to India. And then now it's taken several years to being open to teaching me actually how to be a meditation teacher. Like this has been this long process. It's not like all of a sudden one day I woke up and there was a quick fix. And most Mm -hmm. people, because of the stories and the conditioned patterns, feel that there should be a quick fix. Yeah. People are looking for quick fix. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in this generation of Snapchat and Instagram, Mm -hmm. everyone wants a quick guidance. You know, it's all Insta, you know, Insta truth, Insta meditation. Insta happiness, but whatever is, you know, instantly available, it's not going to last for longer. And one of the most, I think, important lessons that people can take from your journey is patience. You know, you have kept your patience, you continue to keep your patience. And uh, I remember when I wanted mantra from my guru, from my father, he made me wait for five years. And uh, I literally would complain to my mother. I said, you know, dad is giving me hard time just because I'm his son. I think he's not willing to give me the mantra. And she would ask him, can you give mantra to Chandresh? And uh, 
he would remind my mother, remember when I used to, you know, work with my guru, my grandpa, he, he used to make me wait for five years, seven years, even for one simple mantra and mm-hmm. generationally to earn his mantras and not simply, you know, take it uh, or, or have it from my books. He needs to earn it. So I'm glad I went through that process of earning the mantras mm-hmm. because now I'm able to do that with, you know, the fellow seekers, with the people I connect with, because this is such an organic path. I mean, it's like taking a medicine. Is your body ready for that medicine? Is your body ready for this new diet within? You know, if it's, you need to detox, you need to understand what's happening within. You need to understand the universe within you mm-hmm. because then mantras will work even more powerfully. And I've never given a mantra to someone simply because I, I know hundreds of them. I give the mantra when they are given to me in my meditation, in my awareness, in my intuition. And even when, let's say, I'm getting a certain mantra for you right now, I would sit on it for a long time. And I know because you are evolving, your mantra will evolve as well. So it's patience from my side as well and your Mm -hmm. side as well. And if you you get into this path to get instant results, or if I get into this profession, this sacred purpose of uh, inspiring and healing others. And if I'm into this for just quick stuff, quick success, quick healing, it's not going to last for long. Mm-hmm. I'm like laughing inside because of our session like two weeks ago where you said the demands of your life are so high right now, you need to double your meditation. And yeah. I, I was like, Shindrish, <laughs> I'm telling you my life is too busy. And you're like, double the meditation. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like 40 minutes twice a day. And I remember like in the moment cringing and then thinking, no, I'm going to trust this. My demands are higher in my life than they've ever been. My stress right now is through the roof. I need to connect and commit to this practice. Like this is important. And so I think we forget that, right? We get so busy Mm -hmm. and so stressed and so overworked. And we forget that the self-care component is the Mm -hmm. most important part of our life. And, you know, also the reason I told you to double your meditation, because Mm -hmm. you're giving a lot of energy to others. Mm -hmm. You are in a job now where others are looking up to you. They need your wisdom. They need your energy. And even when you don't speak to them energetically, you're connecting to all these people. And that takes away a lot of your strength. Mm -hmm. So 15 minute or 20 minute meditation was great for you like 15 years ago, 10 years ago. But now that you are also leading others. You got to, you know, just double the game. Uh, that's the only way to recharge yourself every day. Yeah, yeah. I just went to a, the Mind Body Green conference, and Deepak right. Chopra, Deepak Chopra was asked, like, "Can you, you know, is ten minutes a day enough?" <laughs> and he, he was like, "Good luck." <laughs> I know, right? Like, he yeah. was like, he was like, "That's what you would ask here at this type of conference, just because we're looking for something fast." Mm-hmm. The, the truth is, like, stories and projections and the way that our minds have been imprinted for years and years and years can't, mm-hmm. we, you know, this isn't a quick fix, but when I look back on 10 years, I really believe like, wow, that was a quick fix. Like mm-hmm. I, I look back and I'm, I'm like the 10 years would have passed anyway. So thank God exactly. I, I did the work. And so that kind of brings me to my next question, which is this concept where I see so often in my practice specifically, where clients are jumping from one coach to the next coach. And I know that we've spoke about this before where this idea where you can't shop for your guru and that because when you shop for what feels good for us, it actually fits our ego and we shop for what's comfortable and we seek out what actually keeps us safe. So we actually will go to coaches that keep us safe versus the ones that are actually not soothing us, but rather cracking open our soul and and actually creating change. And so this idea that your coach is actually going to cause discomfort and not allow you to suppress your emotions or avoid Mm -hmm. things anymore. So I wanted to get your perspective on this. I know that this this is your belief, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about it because I do find this, this lack of responsibility of jumping from one person to the next and Mm -hmm. the next instead of actually just diving in and saying, okay, I'm ready, ready to work. You know, it's, I think, becoming even more bigger problem than than ever before. Because, you know, 10 years ago, the social media didn't have this much power. And people needed to make efforts to find a new guru, new coach, new teacher. But now it's on the fingertips. It's on your phone. There are apps now which can connect you with anyone. It's like dating now. You People jump you know, from one person to another super quickly. And if, if they keep doing it, they'll never be able to experience true love in their life. And 
coming to the spiritual aspect of things i mean healing is such a sacred and gradual process mm-hmm. and it's very uncomfortable process the right meditation is uncomfortable but relevant experience and if people are expecting a certain firecracker or a certain music to be playing in the background when they see their guru or teacher for the first time then they'll always miss that opportunity i think people are leading uh, with certain expectations certain demands from their coaches they already have a preconceived idea this is how it should look like this is how my coach should be again it's there's so much similarity in how people are seeking relationships also they already have the idea this is what i want uh-huh. this is ex- and that's why they keep missing the right love and this is why they keep missing the right guidance because they should not be seeking what they want but they should be seeking what they need what uh-huh. they need to cultivate the awareness what they need to strengthen the strength within uh-huh. because it's going to make them uncomfortable it's going to challenge their belief system it's going to you know destroy all the ideas that they have about divinity meditation relationships but that needs to happen you know if that chaos doesn't take place then the blooming won't, won't happen uh, mm-hmm. and they need to be ready for it you know because it's very easy to stay on the surface and just you know go through the coaching or the meditation but that doesn't create any transformation and that's why uh, i always say that guided meditations are great but please inspire yourself to do a non guided meditation please sit with just your silence where no one should be guiding how how you got to feel in this moment and i have literally told this to you know the students who show up in in the my talks so i used to do weekly talks i don't do that you know anymore now i'm doing only workshops every now and then now so when i used to do weekly talks and if there was someone who was showing up at every talk of mine and other teachers i used to tell them please stop showing up in every talk i call this addiction to spirituality <laughs> and they would look at me and i was like if you're thinking i'm trying to take you away from other teachers so you stop coming to my talks first and mm. then stop others just you know show up in one or two talks per week that's all because very soon you will forget what your awareness is how your inner voice sounds like because in your head it's going to be you know my indian accent guiding you in your life or some other teacher guiding you and you will lose the connection with your strength with your voice and thankfully it makes sense to most people because they clearly know that they have no means to connect with their awareness if there is if there's no one guiding them in that moment and i feel this is very important topic that needs to be discussed that spirituality is becoming very interesting industry right now and in this hustle in this constant you know race of getting more clients getting more memberships even the teachers are losing the responsibility of guiding people the right way and marketing is becoming like the main doorway so i feel if the teachers are not getting inspired to do the right thing the students should show more sincerity should show more patience and they should convey to the you know teachers that we are ready to go through the uncomfortable way we are ready to go through the right way mm. so let's drop all the other you know funnels and let's just go through what's right and we'll have the patience and there might be some who won't jump for it but i'm sure there will be many who would be ready for that you know organic way wow it's like so accurate i mean i see this so much even in the nutrition space there's more nutrition information than ever before people are right. jumping from one mm-hmm. diet to the next diet to the next diet to the next diet without and then they have all the different theories and all the research and all the different programs in their mind and they have this wealth of knowledge but yet they're lacking the intuition to listen to what's best for them and exactly. so i absolutely love that it was such a beautiful way to describe that i also see something so often where there's this concept especially in my work where there's this belief that i just will always be this way like this is my karma this is what's my destiny this is what i chose coming in to this earth i was destined to have an eating disorder i was destined to have a mom who taught me that weight loss you know and my body image is the most important thing on the planet like this is just who i am mm. and there's not the ability to change that and you know based on the workshop i went to last time with you you were saying about the astrology readings that it's actually important to right. shift 
right? Shift the beliefs that will always be this way. And this is our mm-hmm. astrological chart and this is what's destined. And so I'm curious if you could just talk a little bit about that because, you know, for me, that was something I grew up with. I had this belief mm-hmm. of that I karma was karma and there was no way to avoid it. You know, mm-hmm. my life was going to be hard. And I had that story for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear your side of this conversation. Right. That's, I think, very important question because there are many people, you know, who are obsessed with astrology or or I was obsessed with astrology at one point myself. And uh, I clearly believed and thought that my life is going to be successful no matter what. I'll be enlightened no matter what. I call it entitlement to enlightenment that, you know, that I thought I'll be a aware, enlightened, successful, no matter what, because my horoscope chart is pretty powerful and solid. And I started realizing very quickly that things are not moving in the right direction. If I'm reading my chart in this way, they're not moving in that right direction. And that's when I think a very powerful realization happened that our karma, our actions, they hold the power over everything else. Your chart could be saying something But if your actions are not aligning with it, everything could go wrong. Mm. In your chart, you could be having the best marriage or your chart could say you'll be a millionaire or billionaire. But if you don't work, you will not make any dime. If you don't make the conscious efforts in your relationship, you're not going to have a good marriage. And on the other hand, if your chart shows there's a divorce in the chart or there's a chance of bankruptcy in the chart, you could avoid it by making a very you know close relation by building a close relationship with your conscious choices your meditation your self reflections it all could be changed so there's you know a few ways of understanding this number one is you simply you know like you said most people just accept it that maybe this is what i'm i'm supposed to go through this is my karma mm-hmm. that's the worst way right to just give up it's basically giving up not doing anything and and then you become like a leaf at the mercy of wind. Wherever the wind takes you, you flow with it. So basically, you don't have any power over your awareness, over your life. And that's not even life to call, right? That's just basically you're going through day to day and you're becoming slave of the circumstances around you. The second option is to understand what karmic contracts I'm having. What are the consistent patterns showing up in my life? Am I attracting similar kind of people? Am I manifesting similar kind of failures or similar kind of successes? Uh, what is it that's you know holding me back? Am I having a contract, a karmic debt or a karmic contract with my you know, partner, with my business partner, or with you know just the place I'm staying at? The karmic contracts could be with anyone. It could be with a human, a city, a job, it could be with anything. When you get into meditation, it becomes very easy to understand the karmic contracts. I'll tell you example from my own journey. When I left New York to come to LA, I didn't enjoy being in LA. I wasn't a big fan of the kind of spirituality that was you know, cultivating in the city. And I wanted to go back. And I, I did. And my father got to know. And he said, LA is the place where you have a very powerful karmic contract. And you need to resolve it. You need to like, you know, fully go through it. I said, no, there's nothing happening for me there. I don't enjoy being there. So I, and I have such a good practice going on in New York. And he said, no, things will happen in LA. Just go there. You got to acknowledge the energy of that place. You got to just be there. So even if you're not getting any work there, you still go there, watch a movie, go to a cafe, do anything, but you got to build a relationship with the city. And I was having a very successful practice in in New York at the time. But I completely trusted his guidance. And I started investing more time in LA. And I started seeing the change in my uh, you know, relationship with the city, the people here. And it's it's been, you know, the last you know, very beautiful years here. So the point is you've got to know what is the karmic contract that's showing up. Is it toxic? Is it healing? Is it joyful? Is it stressful what's the nature of that contract if yeah. it's very joyful if it's very happy and healing that doesn't mean that you should just accept it as it is you should still meditate on it if i'm having a karmic contract with this particular person or the city how can i make the most out of this contract 
if this city is giving me a lot, how can I give it back? If I'm, you know, multiplying my happiness or my bank account with this one person, how can I make the most of this into even a more, you know, sacred, you know, version of myself? And the other side, if it's toxic a contract, if it's abusive, if it's unhealthy, then you've got to invest more energy into it. You've got to reflect on it, onto it that what's the root of this contract? When did this started? And in many cases, you will realize that the contract started, you know, when you were a little child or even when you were not even born. It started from your ancestors or your parents. It goes, at, there are clients of mine with whom we were able to discover that their karmic contract started even before they were born mm-hmm. or when they were conceived. You know, the, the situations their parents were going through, it all started from that. Uh, so it's very interesting when, the, when there's a negative or toxic karmic contract and you need to resolve it, you need to understand it. And I've, I've witnessed some very successful and happy karmic contracts where we were able to multiply the happiness out of it or multiply the abundance out of it mm-hmm. but it's i think even if you don't touch the happy contracts it's yeah it's it's fine it's important but if you don't do anything it's okay but if you don't do anything with the negative karmic contracts it starts to drain you it starts to just deplete every opportunity that you're holding you know within yourself so i feel this requires discipline this requires work commitment and willpower to really mm-hmm. work. It could take years or months. It's a long process, but a very important process. And then there's third and final layer of resolving these contracts, which is to transcend the karmic contract, which in my opinion is where we all should be striving for. So transcending the karmic contract simply means like fully canceling it. Imagine mm-hmm. you got into this uh, business contract with someone who's just a terrible person. You don't want to ha- you know, have him or her in your business planning, but you can get out of it. And imagine a lawyer shows up who's like, I can cancel this contract. There's a loophole in it. And, you know, you'll become so happy because you can finally breathe and, you know, mm-hmm. do things the way you want. So there's way in spirituality where you transcend the contracts. Like there are people who are dealing with addiction, who are dealing with constant business failures or constant relationship failures. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the root of so many of those failures or disappointment is in the karmic contract, which is not finding any solution, not coming to any conclusion. It keeps on repeating. It's like a vicious cycle. And these people keep working with coaches or they keep hiring new teachers, but nothing is happening because problem is, you know, actually rooted somewhere else. Mm. And when you get to know, okay, so this contract started, you know, with my forefathers, with my great, great grandfather, he used to be an addict to something. Mm -hmm. And that's how my father became this way. Now I am this way. So you could be that first person in your lineage, in your family Mm -hmm. to finally cancel the contract so that your kids don't absorb it. So that you don't attract that vibration from, you know, universe. You don't attract that child from universe who's like, Oh, I I love this family. They have the same addiction that I'm already, you know, looking for. Yeah, so, I that was that was one of my biggest ones was addiction. Yeah, transcending the karmic contract is the ultimate goal, and you know, you do it through intense meditation. So I use this word sadhana. It's a Sanskrit word which means disciplined spiritual practice or disciplined meditation practice. So with regular sadhana, regular meditation practice, which is infused with mantra meditation. A lot of inner work, a lot of inner guidance, and a constant discipline and, and willingness to evolve. That starts to change the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so profound. I remember when I really saw the depth of the work that we had done was when my second mom passed away, mm-hmm. and she was one of my best friends, and you know, someone who had raised me into my teenage years. Mm-hmm. And I remember not turning to prescription drugs, not turning to alcohol, not turning to food, not turning to sex, not turning to the things that you would consider an addict would turn to. And I remember in that moment of the pain turning to yoga and meditation and mantras and nourishing foods and writing out our memories and going through pictures. And I remember thinking, wow, I really have broken this karmic pattern. Mm -hmm. Like I am finally free of this because in a past life, even, mm-hmm. you know, several years before that, the first thing I would have done was mm-hmm. turn to sleeping medication and prescriptions and all of the things and anxiety exactly. medications and all the things that 
had been running my life from a place of avoidance because I didn't want to deal with the pain. And in the most pain that I was in ever, I was turning to the things that were nourishing versus the things that would have avoided the pain longer and just suppressed it to the place of having to deal with it many years later. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that was like the moment where I realized, wow, this work works. Like Mm -hmm. it actually changes the trajectory of your life if you're willing to to look Mm -hmm. at yourself. I remember that moment. I was in India. It was, I think, 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. there. I landed in India and you sent me a message. And I saw how you dealt with it. I saw how you didn't surrender to the impulses of the mind, but you chose to go through a very organic process of healing. And trust me, by doing that, Sarah, and by also shifting the body image and moving to awareness, you have transcended a lot of your own karmic contracts which are going to unfold and show up in a very powerful way as you, you know, evolve in, in your journey. That's, that's how it all starts to shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so profound. So if someone's ready, let's say someone's like listening and they're, they're ready to start taking this spiritual practice. I mean, I could sit here for hours and just continue to ask you questions <laughs> and, and like to try to sum up 10 years of wisdom in an hour is, is impossible. So we're going to have to have you back. But I'm just curious, like if someone's listening, cause you know, I refer so many people to you now, my family members, my friends, clients of mine, like a lot of my friends are now going on your retreats, all these things that I recommend. Mm-hmm. I have sent my, your book to most of my clients. Like the impact that you've had is, is just profound on the people in my, in my I'm world. I'm so grateful. I consider myself literally like an illiterate, ignorant student of spirituality, but I think mm-hmm. that ignorance or that childlike relationship I have mm-hmm. with the divinity, that I think that's what's helping me to survive. That's mm-hmm. what's helping me to keep sharing, you know, my experiences. So, so it's a good question. You are ready and what next? What to do? Yeah. What, do, what does someone do? Where do they start? Do they start with meditation? Do they, yes. you know, yeah. I, I mean, I know that we have the two questions that we had spoken about before, but what are just some simple things to bring people into the present to help them really connect with themselves? Where, where would you begin? I feel so. There's one, you know, thing I could tell people to constantly remind themselves, which I call POP. So it's mm-hmm. pause, observe and proceed. So whenever you come across any conflict, any you know, reaction from others, any pain from within, uh, you remind yourself to POP, to pause, then observe. You know, pause the reaction, pause the entire you know, chaos around you and just observe from where this conflict is coming from. Why am I reacting to this in this aggressive way? What is the root of my you know, desire or, or addiction in this moment? What am I really looking for here? What am I holding back or what am I longing for? So observe these important questions and then proceed to do the you know, right action. And for example, if I receive, uh, it doesn't happen very often, thankfully, but whenever it happens, if there's any email that's making me uncomfortable or any social media comment that makes me uncomfortable, I never respond to it right away. Especially if it's coming from someone who knows me or even from, you know, maybe a friend who's judging my journey from their perspective, I would never respond to them right away. I sit on it for you know 24 hours, at least 24 hours, and then I would respond. So in those 24 hours, my ego takes a backseat, my anger takes a backseat, and I also make this conscious effort of letting the ego and anger take a backseat. And then I proceed. And then I trust my awareness that whatever I do, I'm going to do it in the most right manner with my awareness. And of course, meditation is the prime highlight. That's the most important thing I would recommend to everyone. If you feel you're ready or if you feel you're not ready, you still sit on your meditation cushion every day, invest in your meditation rituals. So those rituals could be as simple as you know buying like a $20 cushion from Amazon, putting it in a nice corner of your apartment, your place, you know, light a candle put fresh flowers there. So it's kind of, it becomes your altar. You know, it becomes that place of energy and you show up for it every day. Uh, If you're, you know, feeling sleepy, unhappy, joyful, whatever is going through, you show up for that cushion and you sit on it. Like in the Eastern traditions, that cushion is considered so sacred and so powerful. Like it's, you know, it's not casual, just place of sitting. 
people treat it as some sort of, you know, seat of divinity. It's given so much power. So I feel that these rituals are missing from, you know, the modern age now. We got to bring back those rituals. We got to bring back those, you know, sweet, little, beautiful moments that we could have with our own spiritual practice and showing up for the meditation cushion every day. I think that's a great start. Mm, it's so beautiful. The POP is the one thing that set me free from emotional eating. It was right. the one thing that like <laughs> saved me <laughs> and it continues to save me. It continue, And you know what? It's probably saved my relationship as well. And it's probably Absolutely, my marriage yeah. and it's, it's definitely saved a lot of friendships. And because mm-hmm. you take a moment to recognize where you're operating from. And absolutely. So I, I love that. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much. So if people want to connect with you, you have so many free resources that are so profound. Where can they find those? Where can they connect with you? Where can they find out more about your coaching, your retreats, all these things that I recommend? So I think the best platforms right now for me are Instagram, which is CB Meditates. So no one has to spell my full name there, just <laughs> CB Meditates. That's also my website, cbmeditates.com. And my podcast is Break the Norm. So I think on my Instagram and on my podcast, I share a lot of stuff. There's mm-hmm. free meditations. There's, there's almost like lectures every week you know, that I would upload on the podcast. I'm also about to begin a YouTube channel soon. Maybe by the time this interview is out, maybe I'll have YouTube videos. But podcast, Instagram, definitely. And if people want to join the retreat or the monthly guidance sessions I have or information about my book, Break the Norms, it's all on my website, mm-hmm. cbmeditates.com. Yeah. Going to India was, with you was probably yes. <laughs> you know, the most profound trip of That's my so life. Beautiful. And um, I, we took Craig, my husband, we took his parents and it was, it was a really, really beautiful experience. So I highly recommend that if you have the opportunity or you're seeking just travel and getting out of your day-to-day routine and really connecting mm-hmm. to yourself, in a space that is very sacred and in a place of tradition, I highly, highly recommend your retreats. Thank you, Sarah. So that would be, yeah, a beautiful place to start as well. And so thank you. I know we didn't even get to Tantra. We didn't get to... We didn't get to we'll have to do a series of podcast do, episodes, yeah, Sarah. Yeah, we'll do another one. We'll do another one. I have two more pages of questions. So <laughs> don't worry, guys. We will be back for another one at some point. Absolutely. So, so, so much. I'm so grateful. You. you know, I love you and appreciate you and am immensely grateful for all you do. Thank you. I love you and I love you for the immense strength you carry within. And I feel anyone who knows your strength, they'll have no option but to just love you and respect you immensely. And that's why I have so much reverence and respect and love for you, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm always so grateful anytime I get the chance to deep dive with Shandrash. I hope that some of the profound concepts he shared today resonate with you and you awaken your desire to break free from past conditioning rules and stories that you have taken on throughout your life that are not actually your truth. I understand that it is challenging to question your current state of awareness because challenging means having to make a shift in your thinking which prompts action and focused change. But I have found that the only way to live a truly happy, healthy, fulfilling life is to question our beliefs in order to determine what is true for us. I've gone through many iterations of questions about my health, my body, my relationships, my career, and every time it has brought me so much peace and clarity. That's the evolution of self and that's why we are here. So I challenge you to look at one area of your life that needs questioning, one area of your life that hasn't been working, maybe an area that is causing you pain or You've seen over and over again that the story keeps repeating itself. Take some time to quiet your mind, to sit and make a list of what stories you are currently holding onto around this topic. What stories did you grow up with or have you taken on that are keeping this story alive and keeping you stuck? Then make a list of any new stories, beliefs, or feelings that would up-level and upgrade this area of your life. What powerful mindset shifts could you embody that would create a new momentum for change? Continue to add to this list over the next week as you become more and more aware of what no longer is serving you. You will be shocked when you sit in silence and quiet your mind what you will actually discover. 
If you loved this episode and you're going to take action with this challenge this week, send me a DM or tag me on the gram at sarahannstewart.com. I want to connect and also share your story to inspire others as well. Thanks for sharing the space with me and being here until the very end. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.